But today we are talking, we are entering our series into the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, uh, we believe in the Trinity, don't we? Right, a very mysterious thing, God three in one. But often we neglect the third person of the Holy Trinity. And certain denominations emphasize the Holy Spirit more than others. And in my experience, um, um, we do uh, baptize in the name. This this was historically a Baptist church. We baptize, like Scripture says, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as uh, said in Matthew. There's a slide up there of Matthew 28. So... We just ended what happened after the resurrection. Jesus had to leave to do what? To reign on his throne, right? Jesus came to earth uh, predicting the coming of the kingdom of God. Um, And tragically, he rose to fame in those short few years of ministry. And then he was arrested and put to death. What seemed like the end of that ministry... He was resurrected on Easter and appeared to many of the disciples. Then he went away, seemingly, but he went away to reign on his heavenly throne. And it says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, you know, when I approached this kind of studying, I kind of had that reaction of, wow, he was resurrected Um, He conquered the grave. He appeared to certain people. He played peekaboo with the disciples. Here I am. Now I'm gone. And then I'm going again. So this kind of awkward, weird feeling that why did Christ have to leave again? But he didn't necessarily leave. He ascended onto his heavenly throne above heaven and on earth. Then he gave the disciples us a commission, a job to do, that is to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and he introduces this concept, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. So it is an introduction to the, this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is referenced over 90 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, over 260 times it's referenced. So we can't neglect the Holy Spirit. Um, I have shared before, uh, when I was a youth, reading the book of Acts and the disciples, apostles walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, how awesome it would be to have Jesus in our myths, you know, giving a message to us, right? Teaching us that we could sit at Jesus' feet like Mary. But this, when Jesus ascended to heaven, this is how Jesus and God is with us uh, in the Holy Spirit. So just like lessons from faith that we talked about last time, like in Thomas, blessed are those who believe and haven't seen like need to see in the flesh. So we could talk about the Holy Spirit. We could talk about, uh, in Genesis, it mentions the Holy Spirit. The first verse of Genesis, 
the Spirit of God is there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was filled, was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's one of the first times we see the mention of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 26, it's interesting. The word Trinity is actually not in the Bible, okay? The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept of God three in one is. And here's a first clue, Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, right? So there it is. God referring to this plurality of his being that is uh, God three in one. So the Holy Spirit in there in red is just a point that I uh, got from my Bible study. The Holy Spirit is associated with creation, with the creation of the world, our creation, human creation. I believe it's in Job. Job says, I was created formed by the Holy Spirit. Job references that. And I remember when I was, like I said, about nine, nine years old, I shared earlier, I had kind of my first awareness of truth, God in my life, uh, God teaching me right and wrong. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't distinctly remember my parents, you know, sitting me down and, and teaching me Bible study this is right, this is wrong, and whatnot. Certainly they led by example. But I had a certain awareness from, I believe, now in hindsight, it was God's Holy Spirit speaking truth of right and wrong in my life. And then let's move to Luke, Luke 24, 46. The resurrected Jesus promises power. So other allusions to the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to say, he told him, it is written, the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you will be witnesses, let's see, you are witnesses of the things, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So here's Jesus is kind of getting them used to the ideas that I'm not going to be here in like in one person. <laughs> He's getting them used to this idea that I am kind of beyond the grave. I am greater than just one human body. I'm going to ascend to my Father, but I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit where I could be omnipresent everywhere and actually with you. So wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So the Holy Spirit is associated with power. And it goes on to say, power to be my, your, my witnesses among the nations. So power with preaching. So the Holy Spirit isn't just power, okay? Like the force um, on one of the... Uh, virtual reality games, it's a, it's a Star Wars game where you could actually play with a lightsaber and, and fight di- different, different things. And so it's not just raw power, a force 
in the universe, okay? The Holy Spirit is going to give us power to be witnesses for God, for God's purposes. In John 20, let's move to there. John, uh, like I said, John and Luke as well commits many verses to um, the resurrection of Jesus. And here in chapter 20, Jesus appears to his disciples and has allusions again to the Holy Spirit. Jesus in uh, 20, 21 says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I am sending you. So there it is, the Great Commission in a very short and concise sentence. As a father has sent me, I am going to start sending you. Okay? So God gives us a job. And now he says, wait for, earlier it said, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And here in verse 22, it's interesting. Um, And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit different than 50 days later at Pentecost when um, another moving of the Spirit came upon them. But here, he gives them a commission, the Great Commission, and then gives them the the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And it's very uh, parallel to when God breathed into Adam's nostrils and gave him the breath of life, this breath. So the Holy Spirit is associated with the breath of life in creation and with power. Okay, other uh, passages in the Gospels that uh, speak of the Holy Spirit. In, so this is Acts 1. This is Acts 1. Uh, Luke is... The Gospel of Luke is uh, volume 1, and Acts is Luke's volume 2. So he says, In my former book, again written to Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So when Jesus had uh, risen He was teaching all the apostles. And Jesus says he he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit. Okay, kind of interesting that he says that. Instead of, well, I was, I spent 40 days and I taught 300 over here and a few in the room over here and et cetera. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus says, Um, Luke gives an account uh, before he was taken up to heaven all the while he was appearing to the disciples he gave instructions through the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit is associated with teaching okay the Holy Spirit is associated with teaching I like to say with truth you know when we teach we teach right and wrong we teach truth he continues on in verse 4 on one occasion he was eating with them And he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So interesting, um, interesting mentions of the Holy Spirit. Wait for power from the Holy Spirit looking forward to Pentecost. 
But here, um, Luke is describing that uh, before John cleansed you with water for the repentance of sins, you were cleansed with water. Apparently, obviously, just water wasn't good enough. But the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, cleansing with God, is a once and for all type of thing. For in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit here is associated with baptism, cleansing. Jesus' death, the imagery of baptism. Jesus' life, death, and full immersion, and rising to new life. So the Holy Spirit is associated with baptism. Moving on to verse 6, other clues of the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him asking this kind of weird question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, Savior? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But instead, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my, you know, for what? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. So this power, not just a mysterious power, is associated with power to be God's witnesses. Testimony of God's working in them. So here a little summary of different views of the works of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, I'm not going to give an exhaustive study on the Holy Spirit in 20 minutes. So this is an introduction. And if you're a little confused, that's because God uses the Holy Spirit in different ways. In Acts 1, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses the Holy Spirit as a teacher. Why? To convict the world of sin, to convict us of right and wrong. In Acts 1.5, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Kind of these different through, with the Holy Spirit. And here Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be with you always. So at our salvation, the Holy Spirit is our forever helper. Um, some of the songs alluded to, to this, God being with us always. So going back to uh, when I mentioned, wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus with us? You know, but it seems like he left, right? But here Jesus is reminding us, I am with you always. So who, how many of us need help to live just life? How many of us need help to live the Christian life? How many of us need help to live up to that which God saved us, right? A spirit-filled life. So Jesus says, I am, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you orphans, right? The whole idea of why we need salvation is because we can't become holy on our own. We need salvation. We need Jesus to cleanse us, right? And God wants us to be holy as he is holy. So to live that life, God is saying, I have justified you through the work of Jesus' sacrifice. And then don't worry, I'm not going to leave you orphans 
I want you to live an extraordinary life, an extraordinary moral life, and this is how it's going to happen. I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to give you power to live this way. The Holy Spirit is always with us at our salvation. And then Acts 1.9, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So that sounds a little contradictory. Like, I thought we already had the Holy Spirit, and that is true. We all have the Holy Spirit at our salvation. But interestingly, we can squash the Holy Spirit in our lives, <laughs> right? By remaining in sin, in lying, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Like our candle, like, uh, like a candle in our, in our lives. The scripture talks about don't quench the Holy Spirit. So um, the Holy Spirit can it's not that the Holy Spirit can come and go in our lives. We always have the Holy Spirit. But how we uh, respond to God and live our lives, we can quench the Holy Spirit or we could fan the flames of the Holy Spirit. It's just like if you're barbecuing in summer, all right? If anybody, any of you had uh, a, a summer barbecue, if you have a Weber uh, uh, barbecue and you, you put the cover on the thing, what makes those coals burn hot? Huh? How do you make those coals burn hot even though you have the cover on? You open up the vents, right? You have air go through the bottom, right? And it makes those coals burn hot. And if you are done with your barbecue and you want the coals to go out, what do you do? You put the lid on and you close the vents. And what does it do to your coals? It snuffs it out. <laughs> it snuffs it out. So this is how the Holy Spirit kind of works in our lives. So we have the Holy Spirit forever. It's a forever helper, all right? So if you're going to leave today, that's one point that's nice to leave, leave with, is that I wish I had a helper to help me along life's way. We do have the Holy Spirit at our salvation, and the Holy Spirit will be with us forever, every day of our lives. And we have a helper to live our life. And at the same time, we can get a turbo boost of the Holy Spirit at times, okay? Not just for like when I had a simplistic uh, view of God when I was, I forget, in Asian bowling league, you know, I'm sitting up there, oh God, help me get a strike. God, help me get a strike. Let me get a strike this time. <laughs> okay? That's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's for my purpose. <laughs> God's not like a genie Holy Spirit. But God can give you a turbo boost for specific reasons, for specific times in your life. It's kind of like a turbo boost. And this is what happened at Pentecost. 50 days later, the, they already had the Holy Spirit in their lives, but they said, wait for power. You're going to receive power on high to be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and through the ends of the earth. And this is what happened at Pentecost, and the church was born. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 15, 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, or a helper, which is the word uh, parakletos, which we get the word paraclete, which is another word for the Holy Spirit, is a helper to be with you forever. Okay, here's the reference that God will be, the helper will be with us forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for where is the Holy Spirit? Does it come and go? No, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is where the Holy Spirit resides now. Jesus, God, resides in our hearts every day of our lives. He lives with us and he lives in us. He goes on to say in verse 23, if anyone loves me, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. The Father will love them. My Father will love them and we will come to, come to them and make our home in them. There it is. My heart, Christ's home, right? If anyone loves me and will obey my teaching, my Father will, lo will love them, and we will come, with, come to them and make our homes with them. If anyone does not love me, will not obey my teachings, these words you hear are not my own, they belong to my Father who sent me. So we can quench the Holy Spirit, right? The more we obey God, and how do we obey God? We love others. We love others. The more we love others, the more air is in our Weber <laughs> carburetor, right? The more we love, the more God is in us. So others have described <clears throat> having the Holy Spirit not like a possession that we have in our lives, but we want to become a conduit, okay, for the Holy Spirit. Not to possess it, but to allow, just like the air in our barbecuer, to flow through it, right? We don't put the coals in the Weber, and then we don't pour a gallon of air in the barbecuer and then make it go, right? It's not a one-time thing, but it's air, it's airflow. I saw on YouTube the other day, there's this uh, gal who, I don't know what her title is. Um, she's like a survivalist out in the country, chopping wood and stuff like that. And she, uh, she got this pole and she just stuck it in the dirt, starts pounding it in, in the dirt like that and makes a hole. She makes a hole in the ground. And then she got a smaller uh, stick and shoved it through the hole, just like this, if there's a hole in the ground here. She, she, uh, she made another uh, hole and stuck it through the ground at an angle and made a hole through the hole, all right? The hole in the ground, up and down, and a hole sideways, sticking out here. She put a couple rocks, she put some wood, and she made a fire out of the ground. And it started burning hot because it had airflow through the bottom, through the top. She made a little Weber uh, barbecuer with airflow out of the ground. Kind of the same idea. We are not repositories of the Holy Spirit 
to possess. It's incorrect to say, I have the Holy Spirit. I got it here. <laughs> All right? It's not a fixed quantity, right? Yes, God, the Holy, God's Holy Spirit is available to, to us at our salvation, and there are incidences in time where God wants to use us for his purposes, that he gives us like a boost of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us to do amazing things. Just like these country bumpkins of the disciples, the Holy Spirit came on them, and then they preached the word of God boldly, okay? Those are examples of what happened. Continuing on in verse 8, unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. So this is specifically the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to teach, is to convict of what? Of general science, of biology, what? What? Of morality. When he comes, he will prove to the world that they are in the wrong about sin. Like the culture that we're in now, they call it post, uh, the post-scientific age, the post-modern age, where everything is relative. The Holy Spirit will come and convict individuals that they are wrong, that there's no standard. There is a standard. John 15, 22, Jesus says, If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. And then he kind of repeats it again in a different way. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. So Jesus is saying, if I had not come, and, I had, and if I did not show you what the standard of God is, be perfect as I am perfect, if I didn't come, you wouldn't have known, <laughs> right? It's just like the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. Before that, people were not necessarily accountable to God's standard. The Old Testament came and gave people a standard. Do all these things. These are the ten things and all the laws that you need to do to be righteous in God's eyes. And the Old Testament showed us that nobody could fulfill those things, right? And then Jesus came along and said, well, let me teach you what it really means, okay? This is the standard. If I didn't come and teach you that, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But because I did, I showed you the God's standard. The world, what is Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And he goes on to say, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so I'm just going to point you to the Nicene Creed of 325, the Council of Nicaea, or what's called the Apostles' Creed. If you want to know the difference between the Trinity, the who, the, who, the 
<clears throat> Holy Spirit is? <clears throat> Are they three in one? Is one subordinate to the other? Uh, they talked about this, the church leaders, over and over again, and they came together with who the God the Father was, who God the Son was, and who God the Holy Spirit was, okay? I'm not going to get into that, but I'll just reference you if you want to look it up. The Nicene Creed, or the Council of Nicaea of 325, often called the Apostles' Creed, okay? So wrapping up here, this is the introduction to the Holy Spirit. We covered a lot of things. I hope that was profitable to you. Uh, as far as introducing the concept to you, because for a lot of us, like myself, I didn't get a whole lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. One person has said, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to convict us of our sin and teach us. The Holy Spirit is at the moment of our salvation, when we're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us at our salvation. And he comes into our lives for our sanctification, to remind us of all the things that Jesus taught us, of what the standard is, of how to be holy. And he comes on upon us at times to supercharge our lives for a specific task. So that's one way of understanding who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God and was with us at our creation was with us at the creation of the world as well. I wrote down a few takeaway points, so I'll just cover those as we wrap up, and then we'll continue on into next week. Point one, Jesus had to ascend. He appeared to leave, but he was triumphed over his victory over the grave and sin and death to claim authority over heaven and earth and the throne of heaven. It just reminded me, since Jesus is ruler over heaven and earth, neither life nor death, neither things present nor things past, neither things above the earth or below the earth can separate us from God's love. I was encouraged by that. Point two, to fill the great commission. It's impossible without God's help of the Holy Spirit to live beyond mediocrity. Just basic religion, just basic goodness to be a good person. We need the supernatural power from on high to be a super person. <laughs> the super person morally that God wants us to be, right? So God wants us to make disciples, to obey all that Jesus commanded us needs super power. To live in the Spirit, to love one another, needs supernatural power. As shared in small group just earlier, I won't give you the specifics, sometimes it's hard to live next to people. <laughs> it's hard to live with your neighbors, isn't it? It takes supernatural power to live in peace, in grace, and in love. To live in the fruit of the Spirit and beyond, more than just a transaction as we saw ex exhibited by the father in the prodigal son stories to his two sons, it takes supernatural power to live out the 12 steps in action with supernatural power. And honestly, um, 
I know very few. I would say, sadly, it's not the majority of people, Christians that I know, that are living supernatural lives. I don't know if that's your experience as well. For the most part, the majority of people I know are not living super-duper lives. It's sadly, I don't see that many people. There are examples, and it's exciting to see them. I think it's because we don't live in truth, in the truth and intimacy with God and his Holy Spirit. We, we follow God, but we only follow so far. We're kind of in the boat. It's kind of like uh, the disciples and, and them seeing Jesus walking on the water. They, where there's a title of a book. If you want to walk on water, what? You guys heard that book? If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. <laughs> if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Most of us, and don't feel bad, most of the disciples, all of them but one, stayed inside of the boat. They saw Jesus on the water and they were afraid it was a ghost, right? But who was it? Who was it? Was it Peter? Peter got out of the boat and he said, Lord, and he followed Jesus and he dude was walking on water. That was pretty cool. What an amazing example in scripture. Oh, we need to have testimony of times in our lives where we walked on water, when we got out of the boat. This is why we need to have testimony, all right? You will be my witnesses in all Judea. That's why we share in small group. We, want to, we need to share these times when we got out of the boat. And reminders, oh yeah, I remember where God sustained me through that difficult time. Where humanly speaking, you know, we should have been crushed. But God sustained us with love. I could go through the fruit of the Spirit, where God sustained us through his Holy Spirit. He gave us love to love the unlovable. He gave us joy in the midst of bad circumstances. He gave us peace in the midst of chaos. Love, joy, peace. Patience. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. God, give me more patience. When do we need patience, okay? In, <laughs> in trying times is when we need more patience. Praying for kindness, what does that mean? When do you need more kindness? <laughs> when you're around unkind people. <laughs> Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So you'll see your faith interface mediocrity and the supernatural, the super-duper, in your circle of intimates. When we see people as we really are with our hair down, when all the niceties are gone, those that we live closest with. In church, we'll only live beyond mediocrity when we decide to risk and get out of the boat and walk with people uh, through real-life things. If you want to water, walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Go and follow, go beyond your normal human capacities where it's not safe. I have felt this, obviously, interface between 
my human limit and the supernatural. Whenever I prepare messages, you know, I could study the text like, like uh, a college class, but the Holy Spirit speaks to my mind and soul, you know, at times, right? I'm kind of waiting, just waiting, waiting, ruminating on Scripture for that truthful nugget that I feel God prompting me to speak. When I speak, I obviously feel my limits of the flesh. Often when I venture out to reach in love, the Holy Spirit, I feel God's power. And typically, I feel God's spirit every time I share the gospel message with some of my friends. When you risk talking about religion, when you risk talking about the truth, I feel God's power. You know, uh, it's often said, people aren't going to listen to you until they know that you care about them, right? As parents, right? Your kids aren't going to listen to you until, unless they truly know that you care about them. Um, And and, uh, that that rang through uh, so well as well. Uh, people aren't going to listen to the truth of the gospel, that, of your care and concern for them, sharing your joy, sharing your uh, love for them, sharing God's love for them, um, sharing the joy of your own salvation. People are gonna, aren't going to listen to you unless they know that you care for them. Ever since I came here, I started visiting, like I shared with you, a my kindergarten classmate who lives down the street. But last week, I felt the prompting of God's spirit that he was ready to hear the gospel. And I shared very much the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us in scripture here. That if Jesus didn't come, people wouldn't be guilty of their sin. But since Jesus did come, come, people are responsible for their lives and actions. And I shared with him, basically, I said, would it be okay if I kind of shared what I understand of the good news of Christianity? He said, sure. So I took a a big breath and asked for the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to him. Because who, who could convince someone, right, of the truth of faith in the gospel except the Holy Spirit? And all I shared was basically the things that Jesus said here. I said, well, bro, in the Old Testament, there's kind of like the Ten Commandments. God came and gave a standard. And Israel create a religion, basically, of trying to live up to the standard, and over their history, it showed they couldn't live up to it. (laughs) It's how I summed up the Old Testament. And that's basically similar to all other world religions as well. They have a standard of, well, I think this is what you need to get into nirvana, heaven, the afterlife, whatever. This is what you need to do. This is what we think you need to do. So you follow, follow all these things. So all I shared with him was that Jesus came to show people that even these Ten Commandments, all these world religions, 
God has a higher sense of morality than these. All our efforts, all our religions fall short of God's super morality, right? And the need for the Savior of Jesus. And that's all I explained to him. And he made a decision to accept Jesus into his life last week. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. God did that, right? God did that at times. And you kind of get goosebumps because you could feel that was a rush of the Holy Spirit where I know in my flesh I flubbed it up many times, okay? Said the wrong things, right? But God gave the right message and now he's in a saving faith. So praise God for that. And now I'm going to be explaining the same things to him that I'm explaining to you. Now you have the indwelling of God's spirit in your life now. God's going to teach you of truths <coughs> of what's right and wrong. So with that, ending that story, let's close in prayer. We're over time. Dear God, till we meet again, God, and open the word, your word, your truth, we thank you not only for your word, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who was there in the beginning of creation, of forming the heavens and the earth and your creation, uh, your people, your children, God. You were there from the beginning. God, we thank you that Jesus ascended to heaven to his throne and promised to give us a helper to help us every day of our lives, God. God, whatever we're going through right now, God, we need your help. And we thank you that you are here. We claim that promise that you are with us every day of our lives. Neither life nor death, nor the past, nor the present, nor, nor things above the earth or under the earth can separate us from your love. God, we thank you. God, we pray that we're not just a depository of, of uh, like a time capsule of your truth and your Holy Spirit, God, that we keep selfishly. But God, help us to be like a barbecue or a Weber where we open up the vents, where we're an, a conduit, God, of your Holy Spirit, your love and your power and your truth is what we long for and what we ask for. God, show us the way as we yield to you, your Holy Spirit, for truth and power and boldness, God, to love others with your love, your power, your strength. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we are dismissed. And all God's people said, amen.